CBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the new Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Wednesday, December 7th. I'm Peter Biello. Coming up on today's episode, Senator Raphael Warnock defeats Herschel Walker in the Senate runoff election. Delta Airlines reaches a tentative deal with its pilots over a new contract. And it is a big week in high school sports as we get ready for the football championships. These stories and more are coming up on Georgia Today. Incumbent Raphael Warnock clinched a victory late last night in a record-setting condensed runoff election for one of Georgia's U.S. Senate seats. The Democrat defeated Republican Herschel Walker, sending Warnock back to Washington for a full six-year term. GPB's Stephen Fowler was at Warnock's campaign headquarters where he spoke about what it means to be a Georgian. Warnock supporters in a packed Atlanta ballroom were upbeat for most of the night as results came in, chanting six more years as Warnock took the stage to share a victory speech. He references Savannah Roots and then thanked the people of Georgia for sending him back to the Senate for a full term. I am Georgia. I am, I am an example and an iteration of its history of its pain and its promise of the brutality and the possibility. Warnock narrowly beat Herschel Walker after neither candidate cleared 50% in November. For GPB News, I'm Stephen Fowler in downtown Atlanta. A few miles away in downtown Atlanta, Walker addressed his supporters soon after the race was called. GPB's Riley Bunch has the story. At the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Walker made his way on stage around 11 p.m. to speak to the small crowd that still gathered on the green turf. Major news outlets called the Georgia race minutes before, dealing a brutal blow to Georgia Republicans. But Walker urged supporters not to let the loss change how they feel about the country. I don't want any of you to stop dreaming. I don't want any of you to stop believing in America. I want you to believe in America and continue to believe in the Constitution and believe in our elected officials most of all. For GPB News, I'm Riley Bunch. More than 1.6 million Georgians cast ballots yesterday. Deputy Secretary of State Gabe Sterling in a briefing last night praised election administrators for a smooth and well-run election. Those 159 county election directors and all of their poll workers did an amazing job for the voters of Georgia. Record election day, record early vote, and record use of an absentee in a midterm runoff. So we're happy, we're pleased with the outcomes of, the, of, not the outcome necessarily of these things. We don't care about that. We care about good election administration, and we had great election administration for the voters of Georgia. More than three and a half million Georgians voted in the runoff, setting an all-time midterm voting record. 1.9 million of those ballots were cast during the early voting period, also a midterm record. Both candidates had pinned their hopes of success on turnout. For more on this race, we turn to Meg Kennard, national politics reporter for the Associated Press who covers the South. Meg, thank you very much for speaking with me. Of course. Thanks for having me. The state touted both the early voting and Election Day turnout numbers in this runoff. So how was turnout compared to previous runoffs? Turnout for the runoff um, was slightly more than we've seen in some other general elections, but it was actually lower than the runoff numbers from the Senate contest in 2021 in Georgia. 
Overall, there were about 4.5 million votes cast in those runoff elections. We saw something lower than that in the about, you know, three and a half, roughly under three and a half million range for this runoff. That's including early and mail votes. That's also 1.4 million votes on election day itself. And to what can we attribute that drop? Maybe it's hard to pinpoint it, but there was a shorter window to vote in this runoff than there were in previous runoffs. There was less time. There were four weeks to vote in the runoff as opposed to nine weeks in the previous contest we're just talking about. So that's one thing. There's also certainly a little bit of election fatigue that plays into some people's decisions to participate. There have been an awful lot of voting contests in Georgia over the past couple of years with all these Senate contests having gone to runoffs lately. So there's that. But there also was another factor at play here in that overall control of the U.S. Senate wasn't to be determined in this runoff. In the case of the 2021 runoff contest with Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff winning both of those for Democrats, that's what decided the overall control of the chamber. And this time that wasn't the case. We already knew that Democrats were gonna have 50 seats in the Senate and with Vice President Kamala Harris able to break any ties, they could already call themselves in control of the chamber. So there could have been some voters, frankly, either of the Republican or Democrat variety, not as interested in coming out for this contest since the stakes were a little bit lower than the last time they had a runoff to vote in. When I spoke to voters at a Warnock event late last month, nearly all of them mentioned abortion and reproductive rights as a reason to vote for the Democrat in this race. Was that, from your perspective, the top issue here, or was there something else on the minds of voters above all else? Reproductive rights played into certainly a lot of voter decisions across the spectrum in the midterm elections. And for the perspective of Raphael Warnock, he ran on his record. And one of those things was maternal health, which certainly features into the overall issue of reproductive rights and reproductive health. Um, Herschel Walker tried to make that into a bad argument for Raphael Warnock, and he tried to portray the Democratic incumbent is just a yes man for anything that the Biden administration wants, um, perhaps codifying abortion rights as one of those things. And so I, I think it's fair to say that all voters across the spectrum were thinking about reproductive related rights and issues going into all of the elections this year due to the Supreme Court decision earlier this year on on the Dobbs case. But you know, I think, too, when you look at Georgia particularly and also thinking about some of the arguments and, and stories that had come out about Herschel Walker and the allegations that he had funded abortions for some of his former girlfriends in the past, however you feel about the issue of abortion itself, certainly some of that in terms of a candidate's personal relationship to it um, and, and what he had to say about it. I think that also probably played into the minds of at least some voters here. What does Herschel Walker's loss here say about former President Trump, who endorsed him, and, and Trump's influence in Georgia and the future of candidates who closely align with Trump? This is another one of those contests where the former president sought to play a role and the candidate he picked was not successful. I've talked to voters and elected officials who consider themselves Republicans from all over the country and a lot of times they tell me that they personally perhaps would support Donald Trump on the ballot himself, but they're not as enthusiastic necessarily about candidates that he picks for them in their states. That's anecdotal, and it's not representative, certainly, of, of voters overall. But when you look at this contest and think about the scenario in which it was happening, 
this was the final Senate contest of the 2022 midterms. So we had already seen candidates that Donald Trump had supported, many of them lose, particularly in some high contest, high stakes Senate races across the country. And so knowing that track record and knowing going into this that the Senate control issue had by and large already been decided, I think that there it's likely that there were some voters who were looking at all of that and thinking, you know, Donald Trump, he is making his own run for the presidency for 2024, so I can deal with him later. But perhaps I'm not as enthusiastic about supporting the Senate candidate on the sole basis that it's somebody that he would tell me to support. And what does Warnock's win mean for 2024? Does it have any implications for the proposed new Democratic presidential primary calendar in which Georgia takes a more prominent position? I think that it's fair to say that not only the fact that the Democratic Party has bumped up Georgia on its primary calendar for 2024, but also the fact that the three most recent Senate contests that have happened in Georgia have been this competitive and have all been won by Democrats. I think all of those things, certainly on behalf of Georgia Democrats, make a good argument that their state continues to be one to watch. Also, coupled with that, the fact that there is a Republican governor in Brian Kemp recently reelected in Georgia. So there are candidates on both sides of the aisle recently elected in statewide positions in Georgia. And I think that in and of itself certainly makes a good argument that a state is a battleground and one to be closely watched in a presidential contest. Meg Kennard, national politics reporter for the Associated Press. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. After five months of organizing and community outcry, the iconic Star Community Bar in Atlanta's Little Five Points neighborhood is safe from demolition for at least another year. GPB's Amanda Andrews explains. Atlanta developers 3rd and Urban have pulled out of their controversial plan to put a commercial building in place of the iconic bar and music venue that opened in 1991. Now Star Bar owners are in talks to renew the lease for all of 2023, but co-owner Luke Lewis says they're still looking for a permanent solution. Uh, Whether it be a long-term lease, a purchase of the building, looking at a variety of options to to ensure that the Star Bar is there for, for years to come for the next generation. In the next year, Lewis says they're looking to make improvements, including renovations to a space for the entertainers and to potentially produce reunion shows for bigger acts. For GPB News, I'm Amanda Andrews. Delta Airlines has reached a tentative deal with its pilots over a new contract. A spokesperson for the Atlanta-based company did not provide details on their proposal, but the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Delta is offering pilots a 34% pay raise over four years. It's a sign of the pilots' bargaining power, and it could set a bar for other airlines as the industry grapples with pilot shortages. The deal still needs to be approved by union leaders and ratified by Delta pilots. It is the biggest week of the year for high school sports in Georgia, as the GHSA football championships get underway tomorrow. Both the girls in flag football and the boys' traditional football games will play their championships at Georgia State's Center Park Stadium. Joining me is the host of GPB Sports Football Fridays in Georgia podcast, John Nelson. Hi, John. Hi. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So tell us what's going on with boys' football this week. Nothing. Not, not, nothing in particular? That, no, that'll, that'll do. That'll do. Uh, but it's 11 games. Well, for football in and of itself, it is, let me see, three, three, eight games in three days. 
on GPB on all of our platforms. And then flag football is what kicks us all off with three games themselves on Thursday. So it's five championship games on Thursday, three on Friday, and three more on Saturday. And I won't be talking to anybody come Sunday. Okay. And so is this our Super Bowl this week, basically? Yeah, this is Super Bowl. This is Daytona 500. It's the Stanley Cup final. It's the NBA final. It is March Madness. It is everything thrown into one gigantic (laughs) pile where hundreds of folks here at Georgia Public Broadcasting sit there. And, I mean, we have rehearsals and walkthroughs on Wednesday. And the game is going on. I mean, it's all over the place. And it's all hands on deck. And it's like trying to catch a comet by the tail or trying to catch rain through an open hand. That is what this week is here at GPB. Wow. Okay. So what are the teams we should be really watching this week? All of them. Choice D. Peter, we love all of our children equally here. It's a running joke now. I ask you that every interview. And yes. And and see see how this goes? It's like, I mean, you've got first-timers. Like, uh, there's a a town in southwest Georgia, Ellaville, high school of 380 kids, Sly County High School, 23-year-old high school in the championships for the first time. And then you take that with the extreme in Gwinnett County with one of the most populated counties, one of the most growing counties here in the state of Georgia, Mill Creek up in Hushton, up by Chateau Alon. First time that their program has ever made it. So in the extremes, you have a single A, the smallest classification, a school there for the first time, and in the largest classification, a team's there for the first time, and they're nationally ranked. we got teams nationally ranked that are playing for championships. It is all over the place, man. Wow, okay. And and so And this is the non-caffeinated version of me talking to you about this. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about the growth in flag football Ooh. in particular. It seems like it's exploded lately. It has. It started a couple of years ago with teams mainly in the metro Atlanta area. I think it was 29 schools that initially started with flag football. Now you have over 200. I want to say the number was 226. To give you an idea, there are just over 400 schools that play football on a football Friday night or a Thursday or a Saturday. So in three years, you've basically gone, what, times 10 in flag football going from 29 to north of 200, and you're starting to get uh, schools in central Georgia and south Georgia that are playing flag football too. And the, the cool thing about it is we always post our replays of our championship games on the YouTube channel, GPB Sports. Our flag football games are some of the ones that have the most views of the games that we post on the GPB Sports YouTube channel. And uh, I swear there have been folks that sit there and say, man, I didn't know about flag football as a sanctioned sport. I love watching it. We get these kinds of comments on social media. People really dig watching flag football because of the athleticism. Really taking off. That's cool. And uh, for the the players Mm -hmm. at this level, is this a moment this week in particular, a way to attract attention possibly for scholarships or moving up to the next level of performance? Well, actually, and what I'll tell you is this. I'll start with flag. Flag football, you have, and this was a great work that you guys did at Georgia Public Broadcasting on the radio side, you have schools that will offer scholarships to flag football athletes on the spot. We've had this happen after championship games where schools will offer scholarships to flag football athletes. And so it's a chance for them on the the NAIA level and the lower division NCAA level. And we have all of these athletes that we focus on on recruiting 2022 that are getting looks from all the Division ones, But, yeah, this is a chance for one uh, AA. I just dated myself. FCS, Division two, Division three. All of these coaches that you just see just blanketing the sidelines and getting kids uh, the chance to, to perhaps go to the next level and have looks from the different levels of, of classifications. I mean, like a group of five school, like the Mid-American Conference might be interested in a kid. But then you see something, a, a performance that happens uh, – 
in championship weekend and they could go to a power five school those kinds of that kind of growth happens as well that's amazing so lots to lots to see at gpb eh, sports this I, week I, yeah, just yeah well, a couple <laughs> all right check it out at gpb.org yes gpb.org gpb tv the gpb sports app and we usually end up simulcasting on twitter and on facebook i think we're even doing the tiktoks now and the twitch and all these kinds of things that i have no earthly idea about but they tell me and it's like here we're going here and i'm like okay just tell me where to go john nelson he's on all the tiktoks i am on all the tiktoks <laughs> That is absolutely correct, Peter. You've got me pegged. And John Nelson, also the host of Football Fridays in Georgia at GPB. John, thank you so much. Anytime, my friend. You can watch all of the high school football championships live on GPB TV, the GPB website, or on the GPB Sports app. And if you want more in-depth coverage of high school football here in Georgia, you can hear John along with Hannah Gooden on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for today's edition of Georgia Today. We welcome your feedback as always. Send us an email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. I'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.